Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to the Dr. John Patrick podcast. And today we're going to be talking about what a precy is. Yeah, you can see from uh, Craig's uh, voice that he's not exactly sure what a precy is. Um, but it's a very, very good way of coming to grips with any text. Uh, I mean, the most beautiful illustration of how this works is, uh, uh, is how I started using it in the university again, although it was used all the while in the Middle Ages, and I was still taught it in high school. But um, some years ago, um, I suppose in the early 90s somewhere, I was doing the Christmas ev- uh, exam. I was in charge of... Uh, keeping order in the gym while people took their Christmas exam. And uh, a few minutes after everybody had settled down, uh, I was given a note saying, we've just been informed that there is a bomb uh, and we should empty the gym. Well, you have to take these things seriously. So I got everybody's attention and said, look, we've just had a bomb scare sent through. I'm sure it's uh, of no importance whatsoever, but we have to take it seriously. So put your exam paper on your desk pick up your bag uh, and your coat and go for a 20 minute walk because it will take security that long to uh, sort out that there isn't anything here Um, and they all did that I I should have noticed I didn't realize till a little later they were very orderly in their exit there was no hysterics nothing they just got up and picked up their bags left their paper and went I also put my coat on and went to a walk. I got to the far far end of the parking lot and there was a bunch of students gathered round the back of an open pickup and one said to the other, you idiot, you were supposed to memorise the third question. It was obvious who was responsible for the, uh, the, the, the scare, but I didn't know how extensive it was. Then I started thinking about how care- quietly they went out. Maybe they all knew this. Maybe my students knew this. Uh, I told, these are a bunch of engineers that I overheard, and I told the engineering prof, he said, I'm not resetting the exam. It's a bind anyway. Um, General professorial approach to exams, we have to give them, let's see if we can get the computer to mark them, which by and large you can. But it doesn't examine anything worth examining. But I was bothered by the thought that many people took my fourth-year honours biochemistry class as a stepping stone to medical school. And I thought, well, I don't want people who will cheat uh, getting a place in medical school over somebody who wouldn't. So how do I deal with this? Um, I said my prayers and I thought about it. And uh, then I realized what I could do. I needed to re-evaluate my examination technique. And from that day onwards, I never gave another information recall exam because it's ridiculous in the 21st century. You all have a better recall thing than your memory in your pocket. So, and you're gonna practice your career with that in your pocket. So why shouldn't I examine you with it in your pocket or on your desk? I don't care. Um, What am I supposed to be doing as a professor? And I realized my job was to help them to work out whether they should believe what the machine in their pocket tells them or not. Because most of the time, it's misinformation, as they now like to call it. Why not just call it straight error uh, or incompetence or whatever? Um, So what I did was I I would, the next session, I got there and uh, I gave the student, I 
took a paper that I'd chosen uh, on some aspect of biochemistry. I went over the background biochemistry and then I said, I want a precy of this paper before next week's exam. Give me a couple of days to read it. I want to, uh, ne next week's lecture. I want to see whether, whether your minds are working. Um, so go away and I want you to reduce this dozen page paper uh, to one side, roughly, of a full scale. And they did that. Now, these were all good students. They didn't come to my course if they weren't honest students, really. And any that weren't dropped out after the first lecture, uh, they realised they weren't going to get what they were coming for, which was a mark. Um, now, these students had not seen a mark under 85 for a long while. But nobody got a mark over 50% on this exercise. You can imagine what the atmosphere was like. Uh, and I said, now, hang on. I'm not going to keep this mark in your evaluation. But you should have told me that you didn't know what a precy was. So that's lesson number one. When you don't know something, say so. You've given me a summary largely taken from the authors of the paper. The one thing you have learned today, or you'll have hammered in when you read my precy, is that the summary in most scientific papers is telling you what the authors would like to think they have proved. Usually, they haven't. Um, and you fell for their con job. It wasn't really a con job. They thought they'd done that. But it's your job to find out how much they'd done in a valid way and how much they hadn't. And writing a pricey will help you. Because you can tell the truth consistently with the greatest of ease, but nobody can lie consistently indefinitely. That's why lawyers go round and round in circles because they know you'll generate several different stories on routes and then you can be shown to be an utterly unreliable witness and you move on from there. They're good at it, brilliant at it. So I then taught them how to write a pricey. What you do, I said, whenever you find a text that's important to you, particularly if you go on to a doctorate and most scientific PhDs have about probably not more than a dozen papers that really matter or core material for that. PhD. Now, most PhD students go on reading those papers for four years or whatever it takes them to get their PhD regularly. You would do better to spend the first six weeks writing a precy of each of those papers and then you will understand them and know what they contain, what they've proved and what they haven't. You can then write your introduction and you know what you're doing in a much deeper way. A few years later, I was actually flying across the Atlantic and a, uh, a younger person w walked down the aisle and as she passed my seat, I was sitting in our seat, she stopped, looked at me and went on. She came back a few minutes later and she said, you're Professor Patrick, aren't you? I said, yes. She said, do you remember me? <laughs> I said, no, I'm sorry. She said, it's all right, I'm a professor myself now, but um, uh, so I know you don't remember all the names and people, but I just want to thank you. Because what you were the only prof I had in the science faculty who taught me how to organise thought and how to think. And I use your methods myself now. Thank you very much. Now, anybody who said they didn't enjoy that experience would be lying, wouldn't they? Uh, that's mission accomplished. We don't happen to do that very often. Uh, we think when we've written it down, we've done all that's necessary. No, we haven't. So, what do we do? I really honed this... Uh, technique in church because 
good preaching is so rare nowadays you almost go to church knowing you're not going to enjoy the sermon in most cases so uh, my way of dealing with that because we need to go to church we're told we cannot not go to church uh, is to write a pricey of the text that's supposed to underlie the sermon and usually doesn't um, Ephesians is the one that I normally give out to students at the beginning of the Augustine course every every year um, and the first question I ask them when they come back having given them some instruction not doing it the blind way what happened when you'd finished that praise and they said I'll never forget that chapter again I, I, I now know it in a way that I've never known a passage in the Bible before that's not bad is it Everybody would like to say that. You can't even remember what was the sermon last Sunday, probably. And certainly couldn't give me an account of the text. So what do you do? Now, I choose Ephesians because Paul is on a high. I mean, he's, he's in prison, but he's really high. Uh, intoxicated with Christ, if you like. I'm looking forward in heaven to meeting the guy who was writing this down. Because uh, keeping up with Paul must have been hard work. I mean, that first chapter is about three sentences. I mean, they're long. Uh, the rhetoric is tremendous, the style is fantastic, but it overwhelms the modern ear when we're not used to that kind of writing. So the first thing you do, you know this is more important than a lot of Paul's, not all, everything Paul writes is of the same degree of importance, but he's clearly, he thinks this is from God in a very important way. So you begin by reading it through a couple of times and then you've got to simplify it you've got to pull out the skeleton if you like and the way you do that is to remove all unnecessary material a precy is an ugly piece of work usually you can pretty it up at the end which is what i normally do a little bit uh, but before that you need an ugly piece of work because you're just cutting out what isn't essential to the meaning like adverbs and adjectives only mod modulate or modify the meaning. They're not essential. So you can cross them all out. Um, put a line through them, however you want to do it. Underline it. Uh, there's got to be some neat computer way of doing this because you can get the biblical text up in whatever version you want very easily. And I happen to be using the uh, King James uh, uh, when I did this example. Um, I like the language of the King James. It's not the most accurate version at all, but but it's got some rhythm. Uh, the new inf infallible version uh, is not infallible. I call it the nearly infallible wooden version. Um, it has no poetry. But if there's any poetry, the, the committee that wrote the NIV seems to think it's their job to get rid of poetry, but they shouldn't. I looked and saw that the race was not to the swift, nor yet the battle to the strong. That's poetry, but they lose the rhythm. Um, so, adverbs and adjectives gone. Then Paul is writing, as I said, that first chapter is basically uh, three uh, verse long sentences. Too, too long, really. You've got to bring every sentence down to a simple sentence. Ugly again, no flow in, the, in what you're producing. But every time you see a participle, an ing, Cross out the ing, rewrite the sentence as a simple sentence. And what will happen is slowly the core meaning will come through. Um, so all modulating or modifying words removed, 
all sentences simple. Now, uh, you, you can open your Bible if you're listening to this, and I will read to you very quickly. Here it is. It's this size. Here's my version of two chapters of Ephesians. Uh, the title, which is buried in the middle in verse 10, is All Things Together in Christ. Now, I'll use, I'll, I, I keep Paul's opening, not because it teaches me very much, but it reminds me of who Paul conceived of himself, what kind of writer I'm dealing with. So here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the faithful saints, grace and peace from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Period. That's one sentence. We were chosen before the world was founded to be holy, to be his sons for the praise of his glorious grace. Period. In Christ, we have been redeemed by grace, given wisdom and insight into the mystery of his will, which is to unite all things in him. We therefore are destined to live for the praise of his glory. In him we received the gospel and were sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance for the praise of his glory. Three times, the praise of his glory. That's what we're about. That's the accolade. Because I have heard that the gospel is transforming your lives with love to one another, I continue to pray for your growth in wisdom and knowledge of him, his power, dominion and authority, far above any other. Paul prays for people not to become Christians so much as he's heard they've started, but to keep them going. The church is his body. Those who follow him are no longer dominated by the passions of the body and mind. That's a lovely sentence. Note the word dominated. We're still exposed to sin. We're still tempted. But we have no reason to fail as long as we so to speak, at least figuratively, get on their knees and cry for help. The difference between us and them is not that our behaviour is so much strikingly better, but we don't need to behave that way. They can't avoid it. But we have a way out. Uh, we're not dominated by the passions of the body and the mind. We can be free from that. Once we were children of wrath, dead in sins, and I put the next two words in capital letters, but God, that's a turning point, made us alive in Christ. We were dead in sins, but God. I once heard Martin Lloyd-Jones preach a whole sermon on but God, an hour's long. Brilliant, you can find it somewhere, because all his uh, commentaries on Ephesians, you'll find that sermon. By grace you were saved. You did nothing. It was a gift. That's a stretch reduced to three simple sentences. By grace you were saved, you did nothing, it was a gift. This was so that no one should have any grounds for boasting. He has created good works for us to do. So remember, Gentiles were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, without hope and without God. But that has all changed, and we are one through the blood of Christ. He is our peace. We are founded upon the apostles and prophets whom Christ of whom Christ is the cornerstone, and we are being built into the temple of the Lord, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's a gross uh, simplification, uglification, if you like, compared to what's in the Bible. 
but I think you can see that things stand out a little bit more. At least that's what I'm told. They certainly do for me. Uh, I remember also hearing a sermon by John Stott when I was a student who obviously used this technique because he was the first person I heard ever preach on Ephesians 1 who directed my vision to uh, for the praise of his glory, which Paul repeats three times in one chapter, three headings. Before the foundation of the world, we were he knew us. Before I formed you, I knew you, and it's for the praise of his glory. And now we are to live, and then ultimately we will live inside love. For the praise of his glory. Uh, now you can do that with any text that's difficult. Anybody who's listening to this who's a professional uh, and has literature which is badly written and yet important, one way to sort it out if you're going to have to refer to it again and again and again, first write a praise and then you will understand that the writers are incompetent, uh, they usually are, uh, and you will be able to find out where their incompetence is located, pull it apart, and you will be a better professional than they are because of that. Um, knowing what to do and when to do it and when not to do it, that's a good doctor. Uh, what can be done, when to do it and when not to do it. So, do you have any questions about that? Yeah, if you're listening to this and watching, uh, just know that we're working together with John to try to figure out a way to make it so that we can watch him do this. So it'd be great to actually see him break down Ephesians 1 and 2. So just know that's in the pipeline. Hopefully, I, I have a dream that it could become an app you have on your phone. So that in bad sermons at the end, when you speak to the preacher, uh, you don't say wonderful sermon, pastor, or whatever. You say, why did you miss out this bit or that bit? That's part of your job to to hold his nose to the grindstone of his responsibility. If I had my own way, every every pulpit in the country, in the continent, in the world, would have ingrained, carved into the wood. They read from the word clearly and made sure the people understood. That's from the greatest Bible study in the Bible, which is in Nehemiah 5, I think. A Bible study outdoors in the rain that lasted five hours and at the end of it all the people were in tears of repentance. That's a real Bible study. And the way it worked, they read from the law which had been newly rediscovered clearly and made sure the people understood. That's what we need to do. Uh, uh, we don't need a simplified uh, sign this set of propositions and you're a Christian. They need to see in us the fact that something like that has happened to us and it's made a difference. Now, if you had that on your phone so that you could do your own praise in the, uh, while you're sitting listening to a sermon that hasn't been properly prepared, which sadly is not rare, that would be good because it there would be feedback. More, if a group of people were doing it, you'd probably agree to have coffee together on, or breakfast together on Monday or something like that. And then a reading group would grow out of that because there's something deeply pleasurable about a serious conversation about our faith when it's with someone who shares that faith. Um, one of the best things that happens to me is when I travel and uh, I 
talk mainly to physicians, but not entirely. I'm doing a few church things in the near future. I like going to a church for, for a weekend or something like that and doing a series of talks. But when when a doctor invites me to his home, as the one who invited you many years ago when you were still in high school, um, those things often go on till 11 o'clock at night. And they can invite their colleagues who are not Christians. They just say, the guy who is interesting to listen to. And he goes on till 11 o'clock at night. That's because it is interesting to listen to, not because it's me. Sure, uh, God has given me some gifts for which I'm deeply grateful, um, but that's all. I, the message is entirely about him uh, and how it should work out in our lives. Thank you, Dr. John, and thank you guys all for listening. If you guys enjoy this and you have questions or more questions about what Abrasis is, please leave them in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube, or you can email us. And if you have a question that you want Dr. John to answer for you, you can write that at www.johnpatrick.ca forward slash ask, or you can find that link in the description below. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.